All right, so we're going to jump in today to part two of our legacy. You got some notes? Everybody got some notes? You should got some notes when you walked in. We are a note-taking church. If you have not figured that out now, we'd love for you to kind of engage in the note-taking process with us because it just helps you to retain so many different things. But excited to kick off uh, the part two of this legacy series. And, and really, I just want to kind of let you know, we're, we're all about reaching people and building lives. If you've, if you've probably seen anything that we put out we share that constantly because that is, the, that is the MO of what we do. We reach people, we build lives built out of uh, the great commission and the great commandment to love God and to love people and to make disciples. And so that's really what we're all about. But if you walk into our foyer and you go into any of our dream team rooms and a lot of our other places, you'll see these canvases on the wall because we believe that salvation is the, is the starting point, but it's not the end point. That there's a process that God wants to bring you through. There's a journey that God wants to bring you through. And that, that first step of that journey is knowing God. We want you to know God personally and powerfully. How many of you feel like since you become an OSC, you have known God more and more than you ever have before? Come on, I love it. So that's what we want. We want you to know God. Um, not to know a religion, not to know a church, but to know God. To know him deeply and personally and intimately. That he, you hear his voice and that he speaks to you. After that happens, then our next step is to help you find freedom. Because how many know we all got junk in the trunk? And if you didn't shake your head, then you got a lot more junk than everybody else does. Okay, so... <laughs> We all got some junk that, that, that really we need to find some freedom. And the good thing is when the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us and we know God, now we can begin to start dealing with the things in our lives that have held us back for so long. And we can begin to gain some clarity. And we, we want you to go. How many of you are going through freedom right now? Anybody going through freedom right now? I, I, we would encourage you at some point to go through this. Get into a life group. Get into a life group. Do life with people. It helps you to find freedom in your life. And then from there, now that you can see clearly and you got the past behind you where it needs to stay, you begin to start looking forward and step into the next process, which is really to discover your purpose. 87% of Christians don't know what their purpose is. And we want to, as a church, help you discover exactly what that purpose is and help you begin to fulfill those things. I really feel like more than just a pastor, I feel like I'm a tour guide. I feel like I'm just, hey, go to this step and then go to this place and then go to this one and then go to this one. And really just helping you in your journey with Jesus and, and that you discover what your passions are. God's put you on this planet with passions and gifts and, and experiences and, and things he's put inside of you that he wants you to use for his kingdom. And we want to help you discover what that is. But then ultimately the big thing that we want to get you to, and if you want to just write this down, I, I made sure we put it on the screen, and that is that the ultimate purpose of my life is to make a difference is to make a difference. And, and so we have created this whole series around this big idea of how do we make a difference? Come on, anybody in this, this world wanna make a difference? Anybody wanna make a difference with people? Wanna make a difference for all that God has for us? And so I wanna I want share a, a passage of scripture and we'll, we're gonna kinda come back to this probably for the rest of our series and it's found in 1 Timothy. The Apostle Paul said this, watch, watch what it says in 1 Timothy. Teach those, so this is my job today, is to teach those who are rich in what? Everybody say these next two words, in this world. That are rich in this world, meaning that there is another world. That there is this world and then there's another world. And it says, teach those who are rich. Now immediately as you read that or saw that, you immediately are like, well that's not me. No, can I tell you, you are rich. If you drove here today in a car, you are rich. If you have a house, you are rich. If you have clothes on, you are rich. And thankfully, all of you do. 
How many like my sweater? You like this sweater right here? Is it, is, is it distracting at all? Okay, I just want to make sure. I want, if not, get over it. And so uh, teach those who are rich. You're rich. I'm telling you. Now you're like, well, you don't know my bank account. I'm telling you. I don't have to. You live in America, the blessed nation of the world, really. We are rich in more ways than you imagine. And as we get in this message, you'll see. And it's telling us not to be proud and, and not to trust in our money, which is so unreliable. Because their trust should be in God who richly gives us all that we need. Now watch this. For our what? That God has blessed you so you can enjoy life. How many know God wants you to enjoy life? Anybody that preaches like poverty thing, like, oh, just not enjoying life, they don't, they don't know Jesus. Jesus wants you to enjoy life. Christians should be the most fun people to be around. You should have fun. If they're not fun, get new friends. <laughs> Next verse, it says this, watch. Tell them, all right, so I'm going to tell you, to use your money to do good. And, and that they should be rich in good works and, and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Now watch this last part of this verse, watch. He says this. By doing this, they will be, tell me those four words, storing up Okay, underline that, highlight that. It's going to be kind of a theme throughout this whole message. You'll see it. Telling them to, to, to store up their treasure as a good foundation for when? For the, for the future. Okay, that's huge too. For the future, so that they may experience true life. Now, years ago, there was an artist, a hip-hop artist named Drake. How many of you know Drake? Who knows Drake in here? Why do you know Drake? I want to know. Okay, I'm joking. So... Drake came out of a song, came out a song, and he highlighted a big thing, and it kind of became popular, and there was this phrase, they, they, they hashtag it now, and this is the phrase, YOLO, YOLO. How many of you heard YOLO before? You only live once, YOLO. It's, it's, a, it's a cool phrase, problem is it's not true. It's not true. He was using this phrase really to try to get people to just kind of live your life. You know, you only get one, life's short, like go and live it. And, and it was really kind of a, a, a mantra to kind of live recklessly in a sense. Like you only live once. It's, it's cool, but it's wrong. So I've decided today at our Savior's Church, we're going to start a new hashtag. All right, y'all ready? Y'all can help me with this one. Yolt, yolt. You, come on, somebody with me. Come on, hashtag this one. Yolt. You only, it just doesn't sound as good, but it's all right. We're going to yolt. You only live twice. You only live twice. That inside you and I, that it's not just about this world. There is another one. And it is my job as your pastor to not just prepare you to, to experience an incredible life in this life, which God wants you to have but to prepare you for the next one because you're spending a lot more time there than you are here. Come on, we're going to yolt together, all right? Tweet that. Watch what Ecclesiastes has to say because Paul's main motivation for us making a difference is this word right here, eternity. And this verse in Ecclesiastes says that God has set eternity in your heart. That inside all of, if you came in here and you're like, I'm an atheist, I don't even believe in God, you still can't rip out the fact that God's put eternity inside of you. There's something burning on the inside of you that you know there's more to life than this life. Eternity. And Paul is using eternity as the greatest motivation for us to want to make a difference. Why do we want to make a difference as a church? Because eternity matters. 
How many know there's a real hell and there's a real heaven and people are really going to both of those? And I don't know about y'all, I want to plunder hell and I want to populate heaven as much as possible. And so Hebrews chapter 9 goes on and it says this, as just as each person is destined to what? Destined to die. So I said this last week, I'll say it again. You're going to die. Welcome to our Savior's church. You're going to die. All right? You're going to die once. Now watch this. And then after that comes judgment. Now many of us don't like that word, but it's coming. There's going to be a judgment. Now I don't know about y'all, but how many of you in, in, in middle school, high school, grade school, elementary school, you were an anxious test taker? Any anxious test takers in here? Like you were good in school, you were good with all stuff, but as soon as there was a test, you got like anxiety. Anybody in here got real anxiety? Yeah, okay. So I'm going to help you today because this is what this passage tells us, that there's going to come a day where you're going to take a test. There's going to be a test. There's two, te- there's two questions on this test, two judgments that are going to happen. And I don't know y'all, my favorite teachers were the ones that said, this test is an open book test. You were like, what kind of coffee you like? I've, you are my favorite. Because you, you could go through the book and find the answers. Here's the really cool thing about God, though. There's no test that he doesn't give that he doesn't give the answers to. So I am today going to tell you the two questions on the test, and then I'm going to love you enough to tell you the answers. And so you can, from this moment on, thank me, because I'm going to help you for where you're going to come. So there's going to come a day where you're going to enter the first judgment, the first test. It's called the great white throne judgment. It's just a big word for there's gonna come a day and, and, and God's not gonna ask you about your sin. He's not gonna ask you about your failures. He's not gonna ask you about your past. He's not gonna ask you, did you go to our Savior's church? And how often did you go? And how many Sundays were you there? And how much did you give? And were you on the dream team? And did you take communion or not? He's not asking any of those questions. Here's the first question. You ready? This is what's gonna be asked. What did you do with my son Jesus? This is, the, this is the biggest question you could ever answer in your entire life. Because this, the answer to this question determines your destiny. What did you do with Jesus? And, and, and your answer should be simple. It's not what you did for Jesus. It's what Jesus has done for you. And your answer should be, I know him personally. I gave my life to him. He forgave me. He healed me. He, he saved me. Come on, how many in here are so thankful for the grace and mercy of God that you and I don't deserve? That is Jesus and Jesus alone. And this is a really easy test. It's a really easy test. Have you put your faith, your hope, your trust in Jesus? Yes or no? Pass or fail? That is the first one. Easy. If you don't know the answer, if you got the answer to this, you'll have a chance at the end of this service. If you pass that, you get to go on to the second test. If you don't pass that, you don't even go on to the second one. But for those in here that say, yes, I know God personally. I know him. He is my savior. You get to go on to the second one. Now, the second test is a totally different test. It, it, it's, uh, let, me, let me read the scripture to you. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. It's a totally different one. It says this, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So there's a great white throne, that's one test, and then there's the judgment seat, it's the second one. And that is that each of you will receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. 
Now, let me, let, me, let me explain this. This is not the get into heaven question. You're already in. The great white throne is that test. Once you're in, you're in. You can't get out. This second judgment, though, is the judgment in which God now is going to repay you. Watch, let me show you another verse. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will, what's this word? Reward. This is, the Greek word is apodenomai. He's going to pay back each person according to what he has done. Now, this isn't, you can't earn your way into heaven. That's that first question. That's just, that's Jesus and Jesus alone. But there is a second one that comes, that God is going to come back with his apodinamai, with his payback plan. It's like, it's like a school award assembly where all the kids get awarded for the incredible hard work that they did. It's like the Olympics where you get a medal for, for the incredible things that you did, that God is going to come. He is a rewarder, and he's going to reward you for the things that you have done on his behalf for him. This is the apodinamai. And here's the incredible great news about this. God is always watching you, and he always sees the things that you're doing even when no one else does. So when you're serving your family at home and no one else sees it and you don't get credit for it, God sees that. And when you are at your work and you're loving people and you're blessing people and no one sees it and you don't get credit for that, God sees that. And when you're serving kids and our OSC kids and you're back there and everybody's in here, you know, standing on the Lord and, you know, building their life on him and you're over there changing a butt, God sees that. <laughs> Come on, OSC kids. We love y'all. Thank y'all for that. If you're here and you get here early and, you know, you're making breakfast for people at five in the morning, God sees that. God sees it, and God is going to reward it with his reward. So the second question God's going to ask you, here's the second question, what did you do with what I gave you? See, if the whole goal was just heaven, we would say, okay, raise your hand if you want salvation. You'd raise your hand, and you'd just pray, accept Lord, and then he would strike you down with a lightning bolt, and you'd just go to heaven. But that's, heaven's not the goal. Come on, how many know we want heaven on earth? We want heaven on earth. We, we want to live in communion with God. So what did you do with what I gave you? And this is such an important concept all throughout Scripture. I want to show you where it shows up. And one of the most important places it shows up is at the end. Because how many know at the end of anything, how many know that's important? So if we go to the very end of the Bible, the last chapter, Revelations chapter 22, look at the very end. Look what it says. Look, I am coming soon. Come on, I'm excited for that day. I am coming soon. And watch this. And I'm bringing my what? My reward. I'm bringing my reward and, and with me, and it's going to repay. Is that apodinamai? I'm going to repay all people according to their deeds. This isn't a scary day. This is an exciting day. This is an exciting day when God comes and he begins to reward us for all that he's done. So I want to share some eternity principles with you. Because this is all about eternity. This message is really just to help us get a bigger picture than what we're living in right now. Let me give you a first one. Here, here, here's an eternity principle. One thing you need to understand, I'm just passing through. I'm just passing through. Watch what, watch what Philippians chapter, chapter 3 says this. Philippians chapter 3. Now, this is, this, is a, this is kind of a hard verse to read. It's not on a lot of people's refrigerators and coffee mugs. But it's just a good reminder. Watch. I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes. So, man, Paul is, he's emotional when he writes this. 
that there are many of those who conduct shows that, whose, whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Now watch this. This is how they're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. What does that mean? What are you talking about? Like they eat too much? No, 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 no. That, that the things and the pleasures of this world is what consumes them. They are consumed with what they can get, what they can make, what they can have. They brag about shameful things. Sound like our, <laughs> our world? And they think, now watch this. They think only about what? This life. They only think about this life that's here on earth. That, that God is saying, and, and he's warning us, that there's going to be people that are headed towards destruction because their soul focus in life is this life. And Paul is telling them there's, there's something greater. You're, you're just passing through because watch the next verse. But we are, if I say those three words, citizens of heaven. We are citizens of heaven. This isn't our home. Don't get comfortable. You are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our savior. Now, a lot of people, I think, are not eagerly awaiting for heaven because you have a wrong view of heaven. See, you think heaven is like harps. Like, I'm going to be doing that all day. That's hell, people. That is hell. <laughs> that is hell. All right? Heaven, heaven, I say this often at funerals to people that have had loved ones pass away. If your loved one had an opportunity to come back here, they wouldn't take it. Like, heaven is real, but heaven is glorious. It's beautiful. Revelations chapter 20 tells us no more pain, no more tears, no more taxes. Come on. Come on. No more politics. No more, no more any of that. I get the body I've always wanted. No, I don't know if that's in there, but it's, it's in my version. So. But how many know, like, this is good news, though. Like, you're passing through. Don't, don't, don't get hunkered down in a place you're supposed to just be passing through. The other eternity principle is this, is that my time on earth is short. You know this. I don't even have to tell you this. But I need to remind you that your time here is very short. And, and I want everybody to look at me. This is great news for everybody in here that's going through a really, really hard time. Because the suffering that you are currently in right now is temporary. And, and, but how many, how many, let's be honest, how many, it feels like eternity. That back pain, that chronic pain, that, that, that disease, that, that just whatever the struggle is, like I just feel like I'm constantly going through it, constantly. I'm just here to remind you, it's very, Paul says it's temporary. It's, like, it's a temporary inconvenience. It's, it's temporary. D um, James would say it this way. Watch what James says. Your life is like the morning fog. It's a here a little while, and then it's gone. It's pfft. When I take my boys to Hathaway to, to school, we drive that long little stretch on, on 102. It's, you know, we, we look out, and you see all the fog that's on the side. It's a it's really cool effect. It's really beautiful. But after I drop them off and I come back, it's gone. And that's what James is reminding us, is that your life is just like that. The problem is we think we're invincible, and we're going to live a really long time. We don't really believe that life is short until there's a tragedy or something happens. 
There's, a, there's an incredible famous doctor, one of the most famous doctors in the U.S. that wrote something that was so profound when it comes to us understanding how time is short. Let me show you. This is what Dr. Seuss said. He said, <laughs> I just went over some of y'all real quick, so. Come on, how many of you know you can get some profound things from Dr. Seuss? Yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That's why we call it a present. That's why we call it a present. Thank you, Dr. Seuss. Watch what, watch what David says. Psalms 90 verse 12 says this. Watch this. Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Now, this is huge. This is the part you may want to really, really underline. And God, help us to spin them as we should. This is what he's saying. Everybody in this world is going to get an allotment of a number of days. And, and let me say this, you never die before your time. Now, it may be before you wanted it to be. How many of you have had loved ones that have died too soon and you didn't like it? Yeah, we've all been there. We've all been there. But no one dies without God saying, okay, this is it. And so he says, you're going to have a few number of, here, you know what that does? That should give you such boldness and encouragement. You know what I mean? Like, you can't take me out unless God says yes. So I walk around with such confidence knowing. Now, that doesn't mean be stupid. <laughs> I'm going to go jump out of a plane with no parachute. You know, I'm going to go try all this. Yeah, you're going to meet Jesus real quick too. All right. And then you get to heaven, he's like, you were stupid. That was just stupid, okay? So it's not, it's not a reason for us to be stupid, but, but to understand that, you know, there, I'm not going to die any earlier than God calls me to. So there's, there's a few days. But, but also realizing that God gives you these days, he gives you this life, he gives you these bodies, he gives you what you have, and then he says, now you choose how you want to spend it. Don't tell me God wants to dictate and rule you. He wants to bless you. He wants to help you. He wants to guide you. But he lets you spend it how you want. And by the way, you can waste them. You can waste them. I, I uh, recent, years back, years back, watched a documentary that just wrecked my world. It was on YouTube, and I don't know how it came across. I found it. And it was a documentary of 9-11. And this was, it was a, I've watched a lot of documentaries and movies of 9-11, but this one changed me in a real way because it was a documentary of the phone calls of people on the planes and in the towers while it was burning that they were making to their families, and it was the recordings on their voicemail. And man, if you go back, you can go find, you can look on YouTube and find this, find this documentary. They, it will shake you up. Because how I many you know when you're, you're about to die, the conversations that you're having with people is not like, hey, I just wanted to call you. Why didn't you take out the trash last night? It's not that. It's, hey, uh, I just want to tell you, I, I, I forgive you. I'm sorry. I wasn't there. I'm so, like, I'm telling you, these things are heartbreaking. And then to watch the documentary of the people who didn't answer their phone when it rang, and then they had to go and listen to the voicemail. I'm, I'm telling you, it'll, it'll wreck you. It'll wreck you. Because in that moment, they're, they're saying the things that matter the most. The reason why they're not talking about the fights or the, you know, the disagreements is because those things don't matter. 
And sometimes we just need to be reminded in life that there are things that really matter and there's, there's just things that don't matter. And how many of you know we make the things that don't matter as if they matter? And this is just a reminder to us. And you know, uh, one of the hardest things that I have to do as a pastor, I think it probably is the hardest thing I have to do as a pastor, is to do funerals for family members that have tragically died. Like where the family didn't get to say the things that they wish they would have said. And, and, and there's many of you that are in this room that have been in that place and you've had those phone calls where you wish you could rewind at least 24 hours and be able to say some things a little bit differently than you did. And you have to live with the fact that there are some things that are just unsettled that you'll never be able to say. And what would it look like if we just begin now to live our life in a way that we're just never gonna let things remain unsettled? Like we're gonna live with hey, this could be at any point. I, I watched a thing a while back. It was a survey of a guy who, who, was, who, who knew that he was dying, but it, he, he, it took a while. And he said, you know what? This is the greatest blessing I've ever been able to have because I've been able to make sure that all my relationships are good. I know death's coming, but I've had my... He said, I actually am concerned for those who don't get that. And so we need to remind ourselves that, you know what? Life is radically short Things are going to die, which leads us to this third point, and that is I should make the most of every opportunity. That life is a test, and you don't get other, other opportunities on the other side. So it's so important. Listen, when you leave here, when you leave your work every morning, leave to go to work, or you leave to go to school every morning, that you make sure you say the things that if it was your last time to talk to them, that you've said those things. And in the hurry and the busy and the, the, just the, the antics of life that are just crazy, we oftentimes can miss those opportunities. And so Paul tells us this in Ephesians 5. Everybody with me so far? We still good? I know it's kind of get, it's a little heavy. I understand that. But it's meant to be. It's a sobering moment right now for us to kind of just wake up out of the fog. And, and Paul says this, so be careful how you live. That, that don't live like fools. You know, no, fools, you know how they live? They live for this life. Fools live for this life. But, but live like those who are wise, those who live understanding for the next life, and make the most of every what? Every opportunity in these evil days. Make the most of every opportunity. So I read a survey that was done with men. Um, it was actually just people that were over the age of 95, and here was the survey. They asked them one question. If you could go back and live your life again, watch what would you do differently? If you could go back, so these are people that are almost a century old, if you go back and, and just do it all over again, what would you do differently? Now watch this, watch what they said. They said three things. I would reflect more, I would risk more, and then I would do more things that would live on after I'm dead. Number three right here, you know what this is? Legacy. Legacy. That, that I would want to make sure that I'm, that I'm taking risks, that I'm, that I'm reflecting more, but more, more importantly, that, I'm, that I'm, I'm doing something that after I'm gone, it continues to live on. So this is what Scripture says now, 1 Corinthians 3.13. Watch this. But on the judgment day, so not the first one, but the second day, the day when God's going to repay Fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any what? 
has any value. Now watch this. This is huge here. Watch, watch. If the work, everybody say this word. Survive. Say it again. Survive. If it survives, if this work survives, then the builder will receive a reward. So here's the question. What survives? What of our work survives? Because that's the only thing that God's rewarding. You can do good things and it doesn't survive. So how do we make sure that we do the right things that God wants us to do so it does survive, so we do get the reward for it? Well, here's what we know survives. Anything eternal. What's eternal? People and anything related to God. Those things survive. They, they survive. So let me, let me say it this way. It may sound harsh, but I, l- hear my heart on this. If we feed the whole world and they go to hell, we lose. So if we do just a bunch of nice charitable acts, but we don't populate heaven, we lose. Which is why as a church, and hopefully just even as a Christian, your whole goal should not just be to do nice things. Your goal should be to help lead people to Jesus. Are y'all with me? Is everybody with me? Come on, y'all preaching with me, church? That we want to live a life that God rewards. So here's the question. How do I live a life that God rewards? Y'all are asking some incredible questions today. It's almost like I know you're going to ask them. And so here they are. Let me give you, let me give you three. I got three. Number one, go through life looking up, not around. Go through life looking up, not around. If you get enamored, if you get so focused on your house, your kids, your bills, your money, your stuff, your everything, come on, how many know you're going to be miserable? How many know most of our stress in life is revolved around those things? And so this is what God's telling us. Lift up your eyes. Get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes. Every Sunday, we're trying, this is what we're trying to do. You walk in like this. And we're trying to do this. Mm. Look up. Look up. Like, there is hope. Even what, what Lindsay just shared just earlier. Like, hey, there will be troubles in life. But guess what? Have heart. Take heart. God is with you. Listen, if you're going through a down day, if you're going through a down week, I just met someone who just lost their job this week. She's like, it's been a rough, rough week. I lost my job. She said, but you know what? I know God's with me. He's for me. Come on. You know what that is? Looking up. Amen. Come on. Can, can, can you just do this for a minute? Grab your hand, put it on your neck, and lift your head up. Look up. Look up. Maybe just in a stress of a day, moms, when it's just crazy and you want to take your kids and send them on ahead of you. <laughs> Come on, any, any, any mamas feel like that at times? Or maybe it might have been your husband. You just, you, just, you just walk outside and do one of these. Oh. Help me, Jesus. That, listen. I think church should be a place where you walk in and the presence of God is so thick, but the presence of God makes you look up, not look in, not look around, look up. You get, it's dangerous in your life when you're constantly looking in and constantly looking around. Comparison will kill you. It'll kill your relationship with God, it'll kill your relationship with people. And so listen, the only thing I'm going to compare myself to is I'm going to just look up and see God. Okay, number two, 
give up something now for something I want later. Come on, you want, we want to live a life that, that God rewards? I want, I want to give up something now. Listen, this is a life principle. Okay, you want that body you've always wanted? You got to give the donut up now. You got to... Come on, it applies. Give, push the food away now so I can have the body I want later, okay? Maybe pick up a weight or something, okay? Like the fork's waiting. No, not the fork. I'm talking about, you know, you could do something there. You got to give if you want. If you want down the road, you want to have retirement, you're giving up your paycheck, some of your paycheck now, so what you can have later. Okay, all right? So this applies in so many areas of your life. You're, you're giving things up now. You're saying no now, so you can say yes later to things. But this is a greater eternity principle. Watch. This is what Scripture says in Matthew 6. This is Jesus. These are red letters. Don't, here we go, store up treasure here where? On earth. Underline that. Circle that. Look at that. Don't store up treasure here on earth. Don't, 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 don't. Jesus saying it, man. He's, he's serious. Paul said it. Jesus said it. Don't store up treasure here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Here we go. This is what he says, but this is what you should do. You do need to store up some things, but store up your treasures in, in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. You need to store up some things. Just make sure that you're storing it in a place where you're going to actually get it later. You're storing up everything right here, right now in this life. It will burn up. It will not survive. So you're going to make sure that you're, you're, you're storing it up for later. Now, some of you have, have wondered this. Why is it that the people, there's some people on my road that seem like they love God more than me? Or maybe around me. It just seems like there's people around me that just seem to love God more than I do. What's, what's wrong? The answer is in the next verse. Watch. For where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Where people put their, not just treasure money, but put their time, put their talents, put their energy, put their efforts, guess what? That's where their heart is. You want to know why they love God more? Because they put all of God in that. You want to love God more? Put, go all in. Put, put your heart in. We, and we say that all the time. Just go all in. We'll never ask you to do something that we don't think is for your greatest good. Something that's going to bless you, that's going to help you. Go all in. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. You want to know where your heart is right now? Go look at your checkbook. It'll tell you. Our money does dictate, shows where our heart is. This, and, and so God is calling us in this time to, to do this. So I'll, that moves to number three, and we're done. Number three is to intentionally make a difference. Intentionally make a difference. Now listen to me closely. We are all unintentionally going towards eternity. Y'all know that, right? Like, there's going to come a day where you will die and you will face eternity. You're unintentionally going to it right now. I'm just saying as a church, why don't we just make the decision, we'll go there intentionally. Let's, let's just go there intentionally. And anything that you want to intentionally do, you've got to have a plan for it. So if you want to have money after, for your retirement, right now you have to plan so that you can, down the line, 
reap from the plan that you put into place. If you want to lose weight or get stronger, you got to have a plan that you put into place. And then as you work the plan, you begin to develop the goals towards those things. Everything that you don't plan for, you don't get often. You've got to make a plan for what God has for you. And, and so that's why I, all of our guys, I always encourage them, like, you need to be on a reading plan, a Bible reading plan. It helps, it helps you to just have a plan of how you're going to spend time with God. It, it doesn't matter what the plan is, but you just need something. You need something that, that helps you stay the course of what's going on. So we want to intentionally make a difference. Well, how do we plan on doing that as a church? How do we plan on doing that as Christians? Glad you're asking. Number one, you got to intentionally share your resources. Intentionally share your resources. Now, all of us in here are blessed. You are blessed to be a blessing. We want to intentionally have a plan on how do we share our resources. So let me give you something here that this is my prayer for us as a church. Watch this. I'll pray that we would become a priority, percentage, and progressive giver. Priority, percentage, and progressive giver. Let me explain those two. Priority, meaning that God gets your first and your best. Here's the saddest part. More people will prioritize their AT&T bill than they will God. Ooh, got real quiet in this one. Pastor Josh, get off of this one. No, I'm not. Because then we wonder why we're struggling so much, but it's because we haven't put God in the priority he needs to be. When God is in the priority, God brings chaos to our, to our order, to our chaos. When God is not in priority, we have chaos all around us. I'm challenging you. Can anybody give me some support in this to put God first in everything that you do? Everything that you do. Everything that you have. See, we'll put God first in him forgiving us of our sins. We just won't put God first in our money. Because we want God to take care of us, but we don't want to obey what he tells us to do. So I'm challenging you here. No, I'm coming across because I want God's best for you. God does it with a priority, with a percentage that you figure out, God, what is that for us? What do we want to do? And then that it's progressive, that it continues to grow. I pray that your generosity continues to grow every year. I don't know if it was this service that I shared uh, last week, but you know, we tithe as a church 10% of what you give to us. We tithe to everything outside of our church. Like We don't tell you to do anything that we don't do as a church. We always want to be a bigger blessing. And I just found out this year we're over 16% now giving to other people outside of our church because we want to continue to grow that. We want to continue to be the biggest givers. So we, we want to do that. December 2nd's a big deal. December 2nd is our, is our legacy offering. We, I shared that last week. I, 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 the reason I'm telling you this now is because I want you to have a plan. I don't want December 2nd to show up and we come to do this legacy offering. You're like, how much you got? I got $3. How much you got? I got 5 Yeah, just put that in. I don't want you to do that. I want you to plan. I want you to pray. I want you to partner with us. We're believing God to, to, to do $200,000 over and above our regular tithe to help us begin to finish this building and do the things that God's calling us to do. I'm asking you to pray about it. That's all I'm asking you to do. Just pray and ask God what he wants to do. So mark that day, December 2nd. The other thing I'm asking you to do when it comes to sharing our resources is on your way out, if you go by guest services, you're gonna see little cards like this. They say something extra to show God loves you. 
I am challenging all of us as a church for the next two months during the holiday seasons to bless people like crazy. Like if you're buying, you know, a McRib at McDonald's that you just buy somebody that's behind you and you just slip them this and say, hey, can you just give them this card? And what would it look like if as a church, we just begin from this moment on, say, you know what, we're going to be looking for opportunities. We don't want to miss one opportunity. You just begin to start putting these things in people's, people's hands. Like, I just want to, don't put this in their hands and you didn't do anything. <laughs> Bless you. Gave you more love than anything. And so, you know what? Tip well. Christians should be the greatest tippers. If, if you're not a great tipper, don't tell them you come to our church. Like we should be as Christians. Come on, how many of you know we should be the most generous? Come on, God's been so generous to us. Let me show you the second one. Share my time. So I want to share my resources. I want to share my time. And then, and, and then last is I want, to, I want to share. This is most important. I want to share Christ. So I want to end with this story and then, and then we're done. Um, so Tuesday I was at Walmart with uh, Julian. We're getting, getting stuff for his house and everything. And I, I run into a couple that, that comes to our church as members here. He said, Pastor Josh, oh wow, it's so crazy. I saw you. I've been wanting to tell you a story. I'm like, is it good or bad? It's like, it's good. I'm like, okay, tell me. And he says, um, he says I got to tell you this. Um, he's a truck driver. Just kind of give you a quick, quick um, thing. He's a truck driver. He was on his job hauling things on his truck, and his truck broke down, opened up, and his radiator was leaking. And so he's like, oh, God. So fast forward, brings his radiator to the shop, the mechanic shop for them to work on it. A couple days later, passed by, they call him and said, hey, we want to just call you. Your radiator's not leaking. He's like, I'm telling you it was. I saw it. It was spraying everywhere. He's like, I'm just telling you it's not. You're going to need to come bring your truck in. We need to we need to uh, put your radiator back in. So he brings his truck in and they're, they're working on the radiator. And so he goes into the office and the daughter of the guy who owns the shop is in there. And so this guy from our church just starts talking to her and just having conversation. And somehow they got onto the fact that she's been smoking and she wants to stop. And so he says, can I pray for you? She says, yeah, I guess so. So he starts praying for her. Well, his wife was in the car so she sees him praying. So she gets out of the car and comes into the office. And so she, he tells her what's going on. So they're praying for her. And, and immediately after they got done praying, the wife, she was actually at Walmart. So she's telling me her side of the story too. And she said, I just felt like God told me I need to ask her if she knows Jesus. So he said, I just asked her like, do you know Jesus? Like, do you have a relationship with God? And the lady was like, no, I'm not quite sure. She said, would you like to be sure? And right there in the radiator shop led the girl to the Lord right there in the, in the middle of it. Come on. So spends like three, $400 to get this radiator that's not broken back into his truck. So he's driving off and he's telling me this. He said, man, I was so frustrated because he was like, why in the world did my radiator have this leak? And he said, God immediately told me it wasn't about the radiator. It was about the girl. How many of you know there are moments and opportunities like that all the time around us? All around us. I pray in this season, listen, in the holiday season, more people are depressed than ever before. The holidays are a hard time for people. I pray that you would share Jesus with people around you. Pray for them, love them, bless them. Would you bow your heads in this place? Father, we love you. God, in this moment right now, God, we welcome you here. 
God, I, I pray, Lord, that you would help us, help us, help us, give us perspective to see things as you see them. Help us not to invest all of our energy, our efforts in this life, but God, in the life to come. God, today's message is, is a perspective message. God, you're, you're giving us perspective. God, help us. Lord, we repent today of, of anything that we're doing to waste the resources you've given us, wasting time, wasting our days, not fulfilling all that you have for us. I believe even right now, even as we're praying, I believe there's some of you right now, God's been telling you to do something, you've put it off. God just wants you to know it's time to step. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's a risk. God just wants you to know it's time to step. So Father, I pray right now for every person in this room, Lord, that you would give them the courage, remind us how few our days are and give us the wisdom, give us the wisdom to spend them the way that you want us to. If you're here in this room with all heads bowed, the most important question is that first one. What'd you do with my son, Jesus? It, and when you get before God, it's not gonna be, I went to church or I was baptized or I read my Bible or I was generous. It was gonna be, did you give your heart to the Lord? Did you give everything to him? Do you know Jesus personally? And if you're in this room and you don't know that for 100% certainty, Today, I don't want you to leave this place without having a relationship with God. It's as easy as ABC. We admit that we're sinners. We believe that Jesus died on the cross. He bore our shame, our guilt, our failures. And we confess that he is Lord now of our life. He dictates. He rules. If that's you in this place, man, if there's any message for you to be bold about, this is it. On the count of three, I just want you to shoot your hand up and say, that's me. Pastor Josh, pray for me. One, two, three. If that's you, shoot your hand up. Pastor Josh, pray with me. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you in the back and the left. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Back there in the corner, thank you. Thank you. Come on. Now we're just gonna pray this together. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for coming and living the life that I couldn't live. You died a death that I deserve to die. You took my shame, my sin, and my guilt, and you bore them on the cross. You rose again to give me a place in heaven, a relationship with your Father, and a purpose on earth. Today, I repent, I turn to you. From this moment forward, be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.